In a world where heresy blankets the airwaves, religious stuffed shirts suck the life out of Sunday morning, and prosperity teachers rob grandmothers of their pensions, three unassuming ministers endeavor to shine the light of biblical theology and put the fun back in fundamentalism. Broadcasting live from the Hall of Dogma. Brought to you this week by Pixar and Lightning McQueen. Welcome into episode 57 of the Gospel Friends. I am Reverend Verbage. I am Chase Captain Crunchy Thompson. I am Nick. Was that really his number? Narco Nick. <laughs> really? <laughs> yes. Really. Nuclear oh, Narco my bad. Where's, where's I get my that. Nick. Wait, where's my coffee? In the first storyboard draft of Cars, Lightning McQueen was going to have number... 57 in reference to the director's birthday. But in the what final cut, it was changed to. I don't know. 95. 95. Because the year Pixar was formed? Uh, it doesn't really. Not a, oh. not a great movie, in, in my view. Cars. <laughs> Are you serious right yeah, now? I don't Maybe I need to rewatch okay, it or first, something. Last week, you, you, you talked about you hate the minions. I didn't say I hate the minions. I said I don't know if I watch a movie okay. devoted strictly to You don't like the minions. You don't like cars. Correct. Are you an American? Sort of. What's your favorite movie of all time? Uh, oh my, my favorite movie of all time Princess Bride and the uh, Lord of the Rings trilogy. Okay. Uh-uh. Those are good movies. Movie. Na- name me you can't a. pick a trilogy. Name me a. Mm. Name Best me. Lord of the Rings movie. Stop. Uh, uh, the first or the third. I, it's hard to pick which one. Interesting. Okay. Name me a animated movie Pixar has made that you liked. Uh, that hmm. you would watch just by yourself. Any? I liked Up. It was very deep. Up, Up was good. It wasn't my the favorite. saddest of all. It, it was sad. Um, interesting. What's your favorite Pixar movie? I would say Toy Story is my favorite, I, though. Toy Story is yeah. great. I actually, I'm going to go animated movie because I'm not sure who made it, but my favorite animated movie ever is Hotel Transylvania. Oh, that's right. You told me that before. <laughs> Never I seen I think it. that's a DreamWorks, Maybe. also known as one of the Pixar They're coming out with Hotel Transylvania 2 later. This year, and I'm pumped about it. Yeah, that. we're still praying for your salvation. Saw Avengers Age of Ultron Finally. this past week. Finally. Loved it. Uh, took the so kids, can you explain? Uh, one of my daughters. Can you explain the vision to us? No. I was texting Nick during the movie <laughs> saying, okay, I don't, I, I'm confused. And he was just like, finish watching the movie. Because I don't know who the vision was. I was like, okay, is the vision... Um, uh, well, I can't think of Tony Stark's... Jarvis. Jarvis, or was it... Ultron, or you know what? What or is I he? Am, which is a whole different. Yeah, that was that was weird when he. Said I actually that. missed that the first. Did time. you catch that in the movie? I'm Chase, communicating with back. Periscope. So I look, I mean, I, welcome back. Just talking nonsense to the podcast. Yes. Did you catch in Age of Ultron? Yeah. where he said he just said I am. Where the vision? Yeah, said. that was a little uh, sketchy to me. A little sketchy. See, I. There's that part of my brain that wants to rationalize it and make it better than it is and just say that he's trying to say that he is a unique individual, not one yeah. or the other. Yeah. But Joss Whedon's a smart enough guy to know. Cause he, you know would he, he know that, that biblical reference? Oh, absolutely. He would know that God oh, yeah. he had that self, yeah. I am. He's a very smart dude, and he and he knows how to play all sides of something like that. I, I'm willing to bet he knew the, knew the reference, and so – I don't know if it was as blatant as a lot of Christians want to try to make it, but it was pretty fascinating. Something that was pretty blatant this morning was um, 
Joel Osteen getting heckled. I don't know if that means you've made it as a pastor or or what that you get heckled. If so, you guys made it a long time ago when Kevin and I started coming. But if texting the pastor while he's preaching counts as heckling, I get heckled every week, multiple. <laughs> I don't times. know what you're talking about. So Chase. what what happened to old Joel today at his church? It, apparently, um, six count them six different folks had to be escorted out. During the message, and, and one at a time, right? It seems it seems to be, but okay. uh, people stood up and started saying, um, "Joel Osteen, you're a liar." Um, that go into a lot more detail, but six different instances, security approached them, said, "You need you need to stop." They said they would not stop, and they were escorted out. But it seems like they happened to different occurrences because it was enough that some visiting families actually left, fearing for potential. In, and they actually did say, in light of the Charleston stuff, just there's like seventy thousand people I, I, there I on a Sunday morning for a Sunday service. They can't take care of six hecklers. Well, they did take care yeah, of it them. It seems like they did take care of them, but I, I don't know. It just Osteen getting heckled just makes it, your heart leap, it, doesn't it? It, it made me chuckle. Okay, so can a man not chuckle at a heckler? <laughs> What the, what's the right well, question to ask in this situation? Was none of us are Osteen, well, sure Osteen fans except Osteen, for David? Well, no, no, no. Should, there is definitely an Osteen should fan. Should Joel fan Osteen still be alive? Is probably the question. Whoa, you guys would hey, ask. hey, John the Baptist would disagree with you. Yes, John the Baptist, <laughs> our is new turning, mascot. He's turning his wrath towards you now, David, for being inappropriately. A so, fan who wants of Joel to explain Osteen? the mascot? Because for the Periscope people, they had a little bit of a in on this. But you, does anybody want to explain? Episode. You don't explain the mascot. He just is. Okie dokie. Episode 57. John the Baptist. John the Baptist mascot. Yeah, there you go. I so, would take a picture of it, but the studio is looking a little jangle <laughs> on the other side. A little janky a in the background. Okay. Tweet but, it out. But the question that kind of came up as we were discussing this pre-show was, um, is this a basically a good response to Osteen is tr- to try to stop him mid- Osteen. Osteen. There's no L There's in There's no name. L in the name, David. None. You're a big fan. You got the T-shirt. Okay, I'm looking right here, sitting in Joe Olstein's church. Okay, let's Anwar not, Richardson. Let's not he go. It. Yeah, let's not okay. go with the Periscope. Wait, if, if you can't um, social media account. Okay, if you can't spell the guy's name right, then you shouldn't be able to heckle him. Let's try JoelOsteen.com. It let's is. See what it's there. It's, it's Joel Osteen. It's Osteen. All right, I'll, I'll answer the question. I want to know if he was smart enough to buy the second domain name. All right, what's the question? Was this an appropriate nope. way to shut him down? And I, I would say, I would say, I don't think so. I, I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan of this. Oh, you love Joel Osteen. I don't. Yes, you do. I, I you love him. Bored. You think he's the greatest Bible teacher of all time. <laughs> oh, whoa, whoa. You okay. subscribe to his podcast and no one else's. You have Joel Osteen right. boxers. John the Baptist is that's awfully yourself. close to your heart right now. He's <laughs> yeah. going to that's attack second you. warning. You have, you, Joel Osteen. you have Joel Osteen underwear. <laughs> not anymore. I sold it on eBay. For like a hundred dollars, okay. So I'm not a fan of Joel Osteen. You know he's a he's a, a cotton candy peddler as far as I'm concerned. Um, he might be a Christian. I'm not Christian. I'm not questioning his salvation. Okay. Uh, but in terms hang of on. a, if preacher, you say he might be a Christian, that is questioning by definition someone's salvation. Okay, so you, what is you the, win this round? <laughs> so how would you how would you approach him if you if you felt his ministry was as dangerous as some, David? I would start a podcast <laughs> and criticize him from time to time on it. John the Baptist, John the Baptist has I like your answer. Falling over on that one. Okay, <laughs> like wow. your answer. Well, it's because it was directed to you, not me. I, okay, I spoke sorry. out of turn. Forgive me. 
oh my, this is this is out of control. Uh, the the um, the folks that were apparently responsible for this are part of a church called the Church of Wells, and apparently this is a little bit of their mo. Um, doesn't sound like they're quite on the Westboro level, but they do seem to be a group kind of dedicated to to raising a ruckus for the Lord. So. I, I raising a, <laughs> we're going to go heckle people for Jesus. Well, that it it seemed like I said they apparently they um they're they not did this, nearly as bad as Westboro. I, I just art, articulated they're not as bad as Westboro. Okay. I think you um, said not quite as bad as our Westboro something like that. Which is not as bad as Westboro. What what are we arguing about here? Right. Um but apparently they've already protested or heckled a passion conference as well. So a passion conference. Yeah, so oh. it sounds like we may we may be hearing more from them and maybe so. Just like we have a pat watch, we may need to have a well watch or something. I don't know. A well watch. So nice. Anyway, good old okay, Osteen. I'm I'm uh, I would be against going to heckle Osteen. I'm sure no one's I'm sure no one's shocked by that. I'm not. I, yeah, Osteen I mean, lover. Especially since you won his autograph and there was the talk of um, anyway, lunch or coffee or something. something. about not judging another person's servant. That's okay. But of course, if you don't, you know. Okay, you, if you're going to bring the Bible into I'm bored it. with this. Next story. If you don't, um, if you don't think that uh, he actually is saved, then you can judge him all you want, I guess. Next story. All right, next story. We're going to talk about tonight on episode 57, besides whether or not Joel Osteen should have been heckled. Uh, I said he shouldn't have. Good, because that's in line with Romans fourteen four. Would you like me to read that to you? Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is before his own master these stands or falls. I am a podcast host, which is the answer to the question. Okay, so we're going to talk about. Uh, we're about to talk about uh, fidelity in marriage. Okay, uh, particularly in is this the insurance the marriage of pastors and subtitled why can pastors. Not whoa, whoa, stop. Whoa, whoa. Careful here. Not stop having a face. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. Never mind. That's um, that's okay. No, I was not going to go. I was going to have to bust out the. I was going to go with the, uh, with the with the with uh, the general's uh, description of that. We got we got what were you thinking tonight? And then we're going to do. We're bringing back a very popular segment here on the Gospel Friends. Bidlid. Bidlid. B D L D. Big deal or little deal? Yep where we're going to give several news stories from the week and talk about whether they are a big deal or not, Uh, including apparently there was some type of a uh, Supreme Court thing this week. I don't know. Some some legal thing happened. Well, we're going to try to Google that between now and and BDLD, kind of see what the Supreme Court did this week because, you know, I I really haven't read a lot about it. Hey, are are we transitioning? Yep, time for a transition. <laughs> Meanwhile, at the Hall of Dogma, the grandson of... Oh, it's awful. There we go. Worst thing about watching on the Periscope grandson, is you don't get to hear the transitions that our yeah, professional board op puts it. through. Yeah. The uh, grandson of America's pastor, the um, most well-known mm-hmm. evangelist in our day, Billy Graham. Which, by the way, a pastor and an evangelist are two different things. Yeah, but they call him America's pastor. They should call him America's. They have called it. Actually, Rick Warren now kind of has that title, but at one point it was Billy Graham. Uh, But anyway, his grandson, who is a well-known pastor in his own right, Pastor Tullian Tjavidian. That was was great. Good job, Tullian Tjavidian. Yeah, Tullian. I think it it is Tullian. We we actually watched a video so we could pronounce it properly. We watched a video and you pronounced it six different ways. 
okay, look, it's not John Smith. I mean, you know, he's All got right. a complicated name. Why is he not Graham? Let's by call the way? him Tulian Graham. It's um, it, I, it's I'm Billy Graham's daughters. Yeah, I know. Pastor, okay. so Pastor Tully. Tully, yeah. Okay, or so, Tully. That sounds a little. Mm, let's go with Tully. Yeah, Tully. Pastor Tully or Titi. Well, that's not much better. Tully, it is okay. On, on a very somber note, this Pastor is a somber Tully. story. Yes, we has, need to so sober he, up, he guys. Is, he has come out and uh, uh, he had an affair. Okay, okay. So he's come out and admitted this, and uh, we're not going to spend a lot of time talking about him and uh, you know running kind of that question or you know him into the ground. Um, very sad situation. Um, I I have a little bit of an issue personally with the way that he. Um, he released – he had a statement that he released kind of confessing what happened. Uh, I think there were some issues maybe between him and his wife. I really felt like he focused on that too much during his um, statement about his own affair. I just kind of felt like my view, almost like he was trying to remind everyone – about his wife's failings leading into hey, I his had own an affair, but you know she did have one first. Yeah, well, actually, kind of, yeah. as you all remember, my wife had an affair, kind of thing, and your wife also had an affair. <laughs> no, dude, oh my, my wife has not had an affair. Okay, I misunderstood you. Um, so anyway, uh, he is the pastor of a very large church in Florida. Yes, and um, and and this is this is you know very sad situation. He's very well known. Um, he was writing for the Gospel Coalition for a good while, and there was a fallout uh, last year between him and the Gospel Coalition over some issues regarding law and grace. Yeah, and we we uh, talked about that some on some of the earlier episodes of the Gospel Friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this is, you know, being painted in the media for basically what it is, and that is another pastor has fallen. It seems like this is the pattern. We are seeing this quite frequently, almost aware. I, I don't think people are overly shocked by it. Um, this had a, a pretty deep element of surprise to me. I was not aware of the other issues that um, Pastor Tully and his wife had had anyway. Yeah, he, he had not been there for the fa- past few weeks because of those issues. Like yeah, He had yeah. not been preaching for the past few weeks. Yeah, he had been on sabbatical. Um, uh, Paul David Tripp was brought in. Yeah, to do not Dude, that counsel. guy is everywhere, and, and he deals with a lot of messes. Like he he, he was the guy Mars Hill called yeah, right. in. He was, I mean that that dude has a reputation apparently of you know the I cleaner, mean, a good one. They call him the cleaner. Do they really? No, I just make, made that up. Okay. Uh, wow. So I'm sorry, Paul David Tripp. Um, I mean, I just think that's awesome that you have the kind of re- that reputation well known between multiple churches that people want to call you in. Yes. In, in tough situations. That is good. Um, but anyway, so he he's stepped down. Um, Pastor Tully has from his past, pastorship, but it is, you know, it is. Hey, another pastor has fallen. Like I said, there was an element of surprise for me. I was kind of like, wow, uh, just because um, I wasn't even thinking anything. I uh, didn't realize anything was going on between him and his wife. But I think for the most part, people don't respond to these stories with. A great deal of shock anymore. Yeah, and so I guess that's kind of the question tonight, guys: is why, why does this keep happening? What is what is going on? Why does it seem so many pastors fail 
in this way. Now, pastors are human. They are like, you know, I mean, they are anyone else, and they are um, subject to temptations. But it seems like just every time you turn around, there is a pastor that has fallen uh, in this way, both on a local level where only maybe people in that city know about it and on a national, more um, well-known level where pastors who are quote-unquote celebrity pastors, well-known pastors, are fallen. Why is that? What is happening um, as we are three ministers sitting around a table? What is going on with men in ministry? Well, I have a partial answer. This is a complicated problem. Uh, One of the reasons why we're recording the show so late tonight, it is uh, 11.37 p.m. Central Standard Time on a Sunday night, uh, is we had uh, a leadership meeting here at the Hall of Dogma Church. And um, the leadership meeting is called Exodus. One of the uh, one of the guys who's a key leader in, in at the Hall of Dogma Church and also a listener to the podcast, Josh Dean. One of the things Josh has been saying over and over lately, a, a drum he's been pounding on, I think he's right, is that there is a lack of confession, a lack of transparency, and specifically a lack of real confession of sin in the church, especially among leaders, especially among high-level leaders, whether it be because of pride or privacy or whatever reason. Um, you know, James 5 says, uh, confess your sins one to another so that you may pray for each other so that you may be healed. We're not Catholic here. We don't believe in confessing to a priest uh, so much. We, we think the word calls us to confess to each other. And that's I think, I think that's a key issue in this thing is that pastors in particular, high-level church leaders, tend to wall themselves off from the rest of the congregation, tend to have kind of an island mentality. Even when it's a team leadership, the team might wall itself off from the congregation, and especially in a senior pastor situation where there's one out front guy and nobody else. I think there's a lack of confession going on. And when there's a lack of accountability, lack of confession, lack of transparency, lack lack of somebody genuinely saying, listen, I have weaknesses. I'm not a pope. I'm not an angel. I'm not a saint. Here are some of my weaknesses. Will you pray for me? And a lack of an atmosphere like that, you're going to have these kind of things that... Uh, uh, that's rear up their ugly head because we're not made to walk this life alone. That's my first reaction. Yeah, I was, as you were saying that, I was actually looking to see if they were um, elder led because I, I couldn't remember. Um, I think they are. They are elder. Are they okay? Yes. That that's the one that takes me by. I hate to say by surprise because that's that's a little naive of me, but um, that's the one that disappoints me more. Um, when when it's an elder led congregation because the the whole hope desire plan of elders is that plurality of leadership where it's not one person dependent but even in in these elder led churches you see the church seeming to be one man dependent you have that teaching pastor you know Mars Hill had this yes they had executive pastors whatever you want to call it that handled more of the administrative but that out front guy that everybody everybody associated with Mars Hill, there's one. Even you know, probably one of my my favorite pastors to listen to if it's if it's not you know the Hall of Dogma Church is Chandler, and even even as much as he has other people speak at the village, 
it does seem like the the village is Chandler. Yeah. Um, and and so, you know, well, Brook Hills elder led church, and it was yeah, David Platt. Yeah, there you go. Um, and so I don't. What it looks like behind the scenes, you just never know. Um, but it, but it does seem like in these situations where these guys fall, there's a, there's a separation from them and that eldership. Um, I don't I don't know if that is is a contributing factor. You you always hear about me and my wife taking time to heal our marriage, and I just I have I have to think that there was damage to the marriage before the affair happened, which is part of what led to the affair. What I'm afraid of, part of what that damage is, is this person who becomes bigger than life and may never feel like they get the credit they're due at home. Um, and that's that's making a, a vast kind of sweeping generalization. But, you know, you are the focus of all these people throughout the week. And when you go home, you're just a dude with a, a, a to-do list and kids that want to, you know, wrestle and, and a wife that – you know, needs X, Y, Z fixed around the house and the grass cut too. And, you know, it's, I don't know. That's the thing that always makes me kind of wonder. Um, so I, I think that, I think you can still be a healthy church, even with a, uh, you guys mentioned like Brook Hills. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you mentioned the situation with Mars Hill. Uh, so Mars Hill, uh, Mark Driscoll, you know, when Driscoll went down, you can make the case the church did. Now, they ultimately became, quote-unquote, separate churches, autonomous churches, but there was kind of a lot of upheaval there. I think that church happened to be built pretty strongly on the personality of Driscoll. Right, and that's And, and, and that's I'm, my, a, I'm a Driscoll fan. I, me too. I like him. Um, As do I. But I think it's it's hard not to see that it was – at this point, pretty well driven on his personality because of what happened when he left. Now you take a David Platt, take Brook Hills. Um, that church has not fallen down as David Platt has left. And as a matter of fact, they have you know, called a new pastor, which was one of the existing elders of the church in yeah, uh, Mason. Yeah, young guy you haven't heard of. Not yeah. a famous guy. I was actually yeah. impressed by that decision. And so I, I think... Um, two totally, even though you had an out front guy who had become well known at those churches, I tend to think what we're seeing as those out front guys have been, have left their positions, the churches have operate, you know, operated completely different. The outcomes have been completely yeah. different. So I think there was probably behind the scenes right. something much different going on. So I think you can have that kind of out front well known guy. I mean, yeah. Yeah. It's the behind the scenes working. Is he, you know, I think what you guys are bringing up is really good point. Is it, you know, is it, that elevation of the pastor into a state, into a position where they are seen as um, above everyone else? And so from the pastoral person's position, they don't want to confess sin. Yeah. They don't want to talk to people in the church about their problems because they might lose their job. Or I'm they the might pastor. lose face or they might lose yeah, power. I might lose power. People people see me as the pastor and I have it all together and I can't admit weakness. And that is a this is a product of the culture that we've cultivated in the church. At the same time, um, I think it may be the other way around is the congregation has Put them up on a pedestal so so high. It's a that, double dynamic. Yeah, that they um, they don't want to hear it. Yeah. So y- you have that. You know, I think you have that where 
where biblically, and we've talked about this on the show before, but biblically the pastor is among the people. He's not above the people. He leads by his teaching. He's he a leads, sheep. He is a fellow sheep who is a leader sheep. A <laughs> leader sheep. I see, you what, see what you what did, I did there. there. Yeah. yeah. I, I want to copyright that. So Write he, a book um, called Leadership. I call Leadership. Yep. Bestseller. Oh, I, I better copyright that for someone. You better quick. It. Leadership.com. <laughs> Pause the show. Nobody on Periscope go buy that. So you have, but that he is among the people and he is pointing and he is teaching and he is leading from his position among them. Yeah. Not above them. Yes. And, uh, you know, and there are little things. I, I think you were, when you got here uh, seven and a half years to where? ago. Uh, the Hall of Dogma Church. Careful. Seven and a half. We'll let the supervillains know where we live. Seven and a half years ago. Uh, when that happened, twice. you, um, one of the things that I, I, I first noticed about you was that you, you didn't want anybody calling you, uh, or you would, you would, you would dissuade people from calling you Pastor Chase. Okay. Okay. And you would just, you know, I'm, I'm Chase. I prefer Bishop. Oh, wait. No, yeah. just Chase. So, and, and I thought at first, you know, not knowing you, it was just kind of like a, Oh, you know, false humility thing. Yeah, but over time, I am falsely humble. Well, I am too. But over time, I kind of learned (laughs) that you, like, that's something that you are kind of trying to guard yourself against a title and an elevated uh, position, because you and I both probably would enjoy that, and we know we would enjoy that. So we try to kind of fight against that. Uh, Well, you know who doesn't like titles a whole lot. Uh, the Bible, oh yeah, and Jesus, and Jesus yeah. in particular. <laughs> so, I was thinking of. Uh, there's those whole the whole passages where he said, "Don't let anyone call you yeah. Father, Teacher, or Rabbi." Yeah, and I, I don't think that means well, Father and Rabbi are out, but you know, you can still be called Pope or yeah. you know, Super Apostle or you know, Reverend Doctor. Amazing. In those passages, is essentially you have one Father, you have one Teacher. Be reminded of that. You know, don't look for prominent positions. Yeah. At the mills, at the gatherings, always thought about in the Baptist world in the old days, you'd have the pastor sitting right up on the stage. In a um, throne-like chair. In a throne-like chair. That's and, not just Baptist churches. Oh, a lot of, lot churches. of Pentecostal, charismatic. And, oh, yeah. Uh, really, I mean, that's a pretty typical thing, and that's kind of weird when you really think about it. So the Bible, though, speaks against – Jesus spoke against doing those things. So Jesus, even while he appointed – pastors, you know, elders, teachers among the people, he also spoke to those leaders and said, essentially, don't be elevated. Don't elevate yourself. Don't let other people elevate you. Don't let them call you by titles. Don't let them put you in prominent positions. Yeah. So there's this where Jesus is saying, keep your place in perspective. There's only one father. There's only one teacher, and you're pointing to him. That's your role. Yep. And we we don't do that. We have allowed people to elevate us position wise, and and we have sought elevated positions. And I think that that works against pastors being open and confessing their own sins, and, and even when it doesn't, which is a protection against. Yeah, absolutely. Even when it doesn't lead directly to an affair. It, it can lead to other kinds of huge sorts of problems that really suck the light of life out of a congregation. In, in fact, my armor bearer has been doing some work on this. <laughs> let, let me bring him over here. Bill, come here. 
Um, just kidding. I don't really have an armor bearer. I'm going to punch you in the throat now. <laughs> Thank you. I deserve it. Hey, I do want to point out that uh, a Periscope listener, D Skinner 44, who that guy's uh, a tool. Uh, <laughs> come mm. on. Who might be co-hosting the show with us next week. Oh, wait. Where you that, might hear that Nick guy. say that. Pointed okay. out that Matt Chandler says, pay attention to not only your sin, but that which fuels it. That is good advice to pastors and church leaders. Pay attention to that which fuels your sin. And as a leader in the church, I can tell you there's a lot of things out there that will fuel your sin. Good word, D. Skinner, 44. And, and I think I don't want to get lost. In, in fairness, it. if he would respond to my text messages, I would not have such crap. Well, things. just call him out on the podcast in the Periscope. That'll do it. Will you respond to your text messages? <sighs> All right. So I Off think that um, the Bible puts part of that's never going to see the light of day. So probably not. The Bible puts confession. The Bible puts confession as uh, you know, confess your sins to one another that you may be healed. Yes. There is this power in confession. There is this power, Hebrews 3, in exhorting and encouraging each other daily so that you may not be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. And pastors remove themselves from that when they remove themselves from being among the people. And and that's a that's a, a deadly dangerous danger. thing. One, one last thing, though, I, I think, and this is from you, for Jason me, I this is uh, no, yeah, this is no. It, when I say we're done, we're done. Whoa, uh, whoa, whoa! <laughs> My goodness, hey, cut him off. So Chase, I really wanted to. Uh, <laughs> hey. You're not going to hear from David for a few minutes. Ten minutes. That's a ten minute timeout for you. He, he talks McConnell. about when he says this. No, no, your role, as Daniel Lee says. Who's got the soundboard? Uh, look, it's fine, but neither one of y'all know what you're going to say next. Go ahead. That's a good point. We're supposed to do his segment Look, next. Look, I knew what I was going to say 15 minutes ago, and then you just kept on talking. So, No, I'm, I'm working on another project right now that's going to be pretty fun. Me and Armored Bear are going to team up in the Hall of Dogma. <laughs> wow. I was just attacked by a bug. You were attacked by yeah, a bug? Yeah, we better bring David back in. That's awkward. Okay. Because, you know, his Are you going to be nice now? now? Probably not. Probably not. Okay. Look, this is your chance. Okay. All right. That was your warning. Dr. Ego, right. let's Next see if you can you... handle this. Oh, wait. What's your superhero name? I'm just kidding. That's probably as appropriate as the other one. My superhero name is Reverend Verbage. My bad. Because I, I talk apologize. a lot. Now, I love you like a brother. When the when the Tully, Tully, Tilly, whatever his Did name is. Did you just is. call him Tully? <laughs> Look, no comment. He has an interesting name. That's all I'm saying. I am, I am disappointed with myself that I just – I went – I am not surprised. And and I just I hated that as soon as I thought it, but you know, it was it was just a matter of time and when it was him I just wasn't surprised. Because who do you know, think's next? <laughs> oh my god. Wow. I really John don't want to think this is getting upset. Hey, one, one more thing. Oh, I, I thought I, you were saying John the Baptist. I have got wow. a parting word. Wow. Help this this is a quote. No, you can't have a parting it's, word. It's a I'm not word. done yet. Okay. All right. That's for No, me. you I'm can out. have a parting word. <laughs> There we go. We lost David again. We're having a little bit of audio difficulty. Nick, you'll appreciate this. Uh, this is a quote from ChristianityToday.com. Executive Pastor Rob Pacienza of Coral Ridge Presbyterian None of those Church. Have names you That's precisely names. it. I wasn't even going to read his quote. It's just, can you not have a Smith or a Jones or something down there? A Graham? A Graham? Well, that would help. Your microphone's not working there, Burbage. I can't hear you. What now? Can I help? Power corrupts. Absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. Talk to the soundboard guy. I'm not going to. He'll cut me off, too. I want to be heard. 
Look, if I did that, Nathan would never listen again. Okay. This is an awkward pause. On Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a little confused because... This is is an edit point, but it is funny watching (laughs) David trying to talk. Are we really ready to transition now? Did you really have something else to say about it? All right, let let him say his thing. Okay, probably important. You're back on. I'm back now. Okay. Okay. Uh, <sighs> what I was trying to say <laughs> before I was so rudely cut off by oh my people goodness. who really had nothing to say. Hebrews, I'm sorry. I apologize. Don't cut me off again. Say it. Say it. Hebrews 13. Yes. A says, Bible verse. Yeah. Hebrews 13, <clears throat> verse 17 says, obey your leaders and submit to them. This is your life verse, right? Yeah. <laughs> And as the leader of this podcast, you too should submit. No, we don't have time for you to do that again. Okay, <laughs> obey your leaders and submit to them for they... We don't have time. How in the world do you figure we don't have time? We've got all the time no, in the world. Time. For they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Now, what I was going to say earlier was the Bible is very nuanced. If you don't like nuance, you will not like the Bible. Because in one place, you know, the Bible is saying leaders are those who are among you. They're not over you. You have Hebrews 13, then who says, Obey your leaders and submit to them, because for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will give an account. I yes. think the reason the word in Hebrews 13 can say, Obey your leaders, is because the leader's responsibility is to speak, teach, preach the word of God, and that should be obeyed. So yep. if they're doing what they're supposed to, then yes, the word can say, Obey your leaders. But the key to that verse for me, they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Have we pastorally lost or never had the weight of that on us? Do we feel that as leaders? Do we carry that with us that we are keeping watch over the souls of those in our congregation and one day we will give an account yeah, true, for true story. that? That's terrifying. That and the James passage about teachers being judged more strictly, both of those things, I don't know if it's accurate to say they should keep us up late at night with uh, sweat on our brow, but that's genuinely a frightening passage that really sobers up the conversation immediately. I'm, I am glad, I for one am glad that our overlord Nick let you say that because I think it's worth us hearing. Oh, my goodness. It, I don't think I am as maybe frightened by that as I should be. Uh, well, I'm not there, there is there's a there's a all to that that we should have. And and I think in a world now where people can kind of choose ministry as a career, go to school for it, and you lack That's that. That's a whole different conversation I want to have. You are, but you lack that um, weight of yeah. that passage. And, and that alone, I think, should sober pastors to more vigilance. Sandwich Chase, that's utterly that's an utterly terrifying verse. And I and well it should be. Um do we need to put that on your mic? Yeah, we don't have my microphone shield on. I probably sound uh I'm I'm probably hitting my P's all the time. I don't understand what's happening. John the Baptist is behind my microphone shield. Now. Okay. Um no, that's that verse is absolutely terrifying. I the thing is I don't think any pastor starts being flippant about that. Correct. I I think, and this, please hear what I'm saying, because ministry, 
please hear what I'm saying. But I think the day in, day out of vocational ministry, so many parts of it just become a job that it's it's easy to get into a almost a rut where it's you you stop taking things as seriously as maybe you ought. Um and it, it begins a slippery slope that um for a pastor but for the grace of God to have an affair. Oh look it I, has to get to the point where you no know, pastor goes into ministry thinking, hey, I'm going to have an affair a few I, years I, in. I agree with that. Yeah, You have to get used to it, or not used to it. You have to get dull to the terrifying verses in Hebrews 13 and James and such that David was just referring yeah, to. Yeah, look, I um, – again, it's it's that um, – I can't think of the exact reference right now, but but for the grace of God, such were some of you. And just it – you know, <laughs> what lured him can lure – any man, and so it's it's just more of a general call to men: guard your hearts, guard your mind, guard your lives. So, Amen. All right, so uh, you can just as a reminder, you can reach the Gospel Friends a couple different ways. First of all, you can join our Facebook group, the Hall of Dogma. Hallofdogma.com is the easiest way to find our Facebook group. Ask, and we will let you in. Yep. If if you're not selling something. Or if you do not appear to be a spam Those are the two things we don't allow. Well, that would – selling something would probably uh, – pornography would probably fall under that. That's a good point. Uh, so – and you can also uh, – if you want to email us feedback on the last story or any of the stories that we do uh, the rest of the, the night, thegospelfriends at gmail.com. And also on the Twitter – we will have some Twitter feedback later in the show. Had some good ones this week. At my gospel friends, be sure to follow us. And uh, Sir Followback will make sure to give you a follow. <laughs> it is now time for what were you thinking? The segment of the week where we take a look at some of the wackiness going on around the world and um, chat about it. We have. Uh, to open up tonight a story that is going to rock Chase's world. Oh, boy. Now, I think so that... We, we didn't do the intro music. Oh. No, it's fine. We've already missed it. No, I, I think nope. you should do it. I think you should do it. I know you think I should, but... When, when, are, we gonna get, when are we going to get somebody on the show to kind of help professional us up a little bit? I I have tried. We need money. Okay. We should, like, market... We should do some T-shirts and sell them to make money. <laughs> okay, I think someone posted this. I'm going to get on back to the story. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I think someone posted this in the Hall of Dogma this week. I didn't see if you responded to it, but I wanted to go ahead and do the story. Let's do it. See if you could cry on the air. Why cry your favorite breakfast river. cereal will soon look and taste different. This is uh, <clears throat> Captain Crunchy. Someone's about to mess with some of your favorite cereals. He's about to go something. nuclear me. Stop messing with cereals. Ugh. You ruined the monster cereals. That is Boo Berry, Captain Crunch, and Frank. I mean, uh, Frankenberry, Boo Berry, and Count Chocula. Stop it. Right, General Mills. General Mills said it is eliminating all artificial colors and flavors from its cereals replacing them with fruit and vegetable juices. Yeah, that's going to be great. So yep. we're going everybody likes fruits and vegetables, right? <laughs> so your lucky charms is now going to be made out of vegetable juice. 
That's just mm, fantastic. That sounds tasty. You know, I, I don't care about the color. You, you can color my cereal whatever color you want it to. I care a lot about the taste. And bottom line, there's one thing unhealthy in cereal, and that's sugar. Until you get away to remove that, you're not making it healthy. So, okay, so the disgusting three fifths of the company's cereals meet the standard now, but the rest will follow. Uh, uh, fruit and vegetable juices um, will replace artificial flavors. The artificial colors will be replaced by natural dyes and spice blends. That's fine, mm. as long as it doesn't change the taste. Color may be the first thing you noticed, and some cereals are still a work in pro- progress. Trix, for example, dropped blue and green puffs three years ago because of the dyes used to make them. Did you notice that the puffs were gone out of tricks? I don't eat a lot of tricks. It's not It's not a favorite, so I haven't noticed that. Okay. Um, General Mills still says it's still working to find natural alternatives to make tricks and other cereal colors more vibrant. Uh, but beyond that, probably the biggest um, change will be to taste and texture, which is obviously going to change the mouthfeel mouth of some of our cereal. In cereal is critically important. <laughs> if you have ever listened to a Gospel Friends cereal review, then you know that mouthfeel is one of the first things that Chase will let us know about. And in just a moment, we have a cereal review, so you'll be able to you know see that live. Um, so. Uh, you know, uh, let's see. General Mills is just the latest company to make the all-natural change. Um, apparently, I, they're saying the last cereal to to go will probably be Lucky Charms. Uh, they want to get all this done by 2017, but they're 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 saying Lucky Charms is probably going to be the most complicated to change over due to the various marshmallows and getting the marshmallow flavors right. So you have Chase about. Two years to buy up as many boxes of Lucky Charms as possible and find a way to, um, I don't know, freeze them or something. I, I don't know what you can do to contain the goodness. There's no way to keep them. Lucky There's Charms really no, won't keep very long. The, the most even sick, unopened? Well, the problem is the marshmallows, David. The okay. marshmallows will Well, that's going to be the problem machine. in 2017. I know. I know. This is, this is devastating news to a cereal lover. But maybe it will allow me to lose 20 pounds and show you guys my abs once again. Once again, yeah. Like uh, has, has someone year. in your life ever been able to see your abs? Yes, I, I showed them on the show last year, live video. We David, have evidence. I think in a time like this, when you're obviously being morning, you're in the morning, you, you really need to shore up your marriage. You need to devote some time to you and your bride. Are you talking to me? Yes. Uh, you, you say I need to get work on my abs? No, i just I didn't want Chase to make you stumble next year. Yeah, oh. that is a good point. No. I don't think I'll stumble over Chase's abs. I don't think I'll ever actually see him. You're more of a relational guy. He would be like stumbling over Loch Ness. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Loch Ness monster is real. (laughs) From the Telegraph, which is, I think, a... um, .co.uk? Yeah, telegraph.co.uk. From the other side of the pond, Yep. from the Telegraph, the real reason your eyes go red after swimming isn't chlorine. Oh boy! You just spoke over my head, my headline. Uh, I hate when you speak over my headlines. Ambulance. The real reason your eyes go red after swimming isn't chlorine, but urine. <laughs> oh no! 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 <laughs> this Blood, segment is terrible. Bloodshot eyes after swimming is not as a result of chlorine, but in fact caused by urine contained in the pool. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention has revealed the good old CDC 
Contaminants in the pool, including urine and sweat, bind to the chlorine in the water, creating a chemical compound, which in turn causes your eyes to sting. The problem may be worse in indoor swimming pools where there is poor air quality, resulting in these contaminants accumulating in the air. Urine, what, urine gas or Urine and uh, urine. Urine. Is that Vandersloot? Ur- <laughs> <laughs> urine and sweat droplets, Chase. This bind, bind to the chlorine and create a compound that make your eyes burn. So apparently the, what the CDS, CDC is saying is that um, – is that uh, Chase really may vomit. chlorine in and of itself is not what is making your eyes burn. If your eyes are burning from the water, what that means is that sweat and urine particles have binded themselves to chlorine. And it goes on further. The CDC went on to reveal that the strong chlorine smell found in some pools is not an indication of a clean pool, but is actually the smell um, given off by the irritants. The urine oh, and sweat. Great. So it's basically the chlorine working to try to clean the pool. It urged people to note that healthy pools should not have a strong chemical smell at all. You know, two things I love: cereal and swimming. And you just ruined <laughs> of, of the three things in the world I love. You just ruined two of them. I hope your third story doesn't ruin. ruin so from now thing. on, when you're swimming and your eyes start burning. <laughs> I'm going to flee in terror. <laughs> you're going to just get out of the pool, and your kids are going to be like, Daddy, come back in and play. And you're going to like, I can't. Uh, let me ask you a very I'm going to go eat some Lucky Charms. Oh, I can't do that either. Let me ask you a very important hypothetical question. Okay. Are your eyes immune to your uh, own urine? urine? Uh, it doesn't say. Mm, that's I'm not an important sure. question. Do Nick you- is a pool owner. Do you know the answer to that question? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it took me a minute to get the file pulled. <laughs> have you ever, have you ever, uh, Nick, as a pool owner, have you ever tossed that lie out there to people that uh, you have a chemical in your pool that if you pee in it, it'll turn the pool a different I've color? I've never tried. No, because okay. I'm trying to think. If we tried on the. I don't think we ever have though. Mm. I've done that before as a former pool owner. I do have to ask the question, since you are so germ-sensitive, Chase. Yes. Where are your, your toothbrushes located? My what? Your toothbrushes. Um, In my shower? On a on a wire rack. You you brush your teeth in the shower? I do. You, ever t- you know, it's it's difficult getting toothpaste out of your beard. And we're all bearded guys, so... You just spit it down the drain? Yeah. What do you... Okay, hold, I don't hold on. It. Qu- quick, quick question. <laughs> yeah. I've I've had a beard slash some type of facial hair facial hair for Nose many hair. years now. We're not talking about that. It's a personal okay. thing. Okay, right. just, we're working on it. How's your underarms? Well, I'm a man, a so it's, it's fine. Not an issue. Um, I've gotten a lot of feedback on that story, by the way. This oh, week. I bet you have a ton. I bet you have. Um, Go ahead. Free pit hair. Um, I see what you did there, but not a lot of non-Birmingham. I do. If you're in Birmingham, you're going to get it. If you're not, you're not. That's awesome. That might be a good title there. Free pit hair. Hashtag. Other people behind like, the Baptist. Other is not people. Happy other people are going to be like, "Why are they giving away people's pit hair?" Yeah. <laughs> oh my. Uh, Have you ever had a trouble when after brushing your teeth? Spent toothpaste filling up your beard. Has that ever been an issue? For no, you? but have you watched Chase like eat cereal, <laughs> drink drinks, anything that involves 
Hey, look, I get after it. Okay. All right, you know where you, you know where you guys you guys keep your toothbrush by the sink where you wash your hands, and you know what often gets slung off of your hands onto your toothbrush. I know what you're going to say because I've had actually, this conversation with you before. Actually, it's not slung before. off your hands. That's the problem. So it's actually it's, when you flush it into the air. That's right, and that's why I keep it in the shower because I don't flush the shower. Go ahead and say what you're wanting to say. Fecal, Fecal matter. matter. That's what you're wanting to say. <laughs> Let's do a cereal review. Uh, that's a good idea. That's what it's time for. Okay, so what we have here today, guys, is Caramel Popcorn Crunch which is brand new from the good folks at Captain Crunch, which is a Quaker cereal, or at least it used to be. I don't see Quaker listed here on the box. But uh, this is this just hit Walmart as of this week. Um, I've had a slight taste of it, so I'm not going to bias you. But I will pass All right, the box. pass the bowls out. Pass the bowls. Nick, you're near the bowls. So if you are a uh, first-time listener of the Gospel <laughs> Friends, we love cereal here. And on occasion, we do cereal reviews on the show. We are going to review this cereal. We will probably crunch a little bit in your ear just because listeners love that. And um, no, that's your favorite. Sorry. Yeah. And then uh, we are going to give this a uh, out of five uh, spoonage yep. rated rating. There's mine. David, why do you have a picture of Vince McMahon in your photo library? You are right now looking at my photos. That, yes, I am. That is that is scary. That's not good, Nick. Don't scroll down. <laughs> Okay, hey, by the where's way, the lukewarm milk? Speaking of fecal matter, which you mentioned before, oh, I, there is a I, local Jefferson so County uh, sewage pumping company where Jefferson County, Alabama, Birmingham, Alabama, where they're... We are not located anywhere near there. Well, right, right. We're This is outside of our listening area, but their slogan is where your fecal, where your fecal matters. I'm Whoa. not kidding. That's a terrible slogan for a company, but it's true. Can we get the lukewarm milk? Why are you taking pictures off my phone right now? What are you doing? Are you pulling sensitive information off my phone? I'm about 35% to go from doing a full backup of your phone. So, Are you serious right now? No, I'm not serious. No. All right, here we go. Let's, I let's think, review this cereal. I did think about downloading. Give me the milk. Oh, I'm sorry. All right. We are uh, – so this is caramel. What is this, Captain Crunch caramel? What did you say? I wasn't listening to you. It smells like caramel popcorn. Captain oh, it's caramel, caramel yeah. popcorn crunch. <laughs> awesome. That's why it smells like it. All right, here we go. Lukewarm whole milk, by the way. lukewarm. It's been on the floor Probably for loaded with two germs. hours. Hey, is this made with all natural flavors and colors? Uh, yes. Hey, there's Ian Mackey from Scotland watching us. What's up, Ian? Ian. Hey, man. You've got at least another hour or so, brother. How's things in Scotland? You're near my home country of Ireland. Awesome. Hey, Skinner says he's going to be on next week. Thank or at you least for the. He re- said he'll see us next week. Hey, Skinner, how many times have you watched this show or listened to it? That's a good question. You're going to be on it next week. Hey, if you're, yeah, if you're going to be on next week, you have to wear more clothes than you're wearing right now. Mm. Y'all pick, quit picking on Skinner. No, I just want to like know. Him. I mean, I do like that you're tuning in tonight. To see what it's about. But have you watched or listened before today? Like, do you know who Bernard is? Or does Japanese hug chair mean anything to you? I think he peaced out. What? Well, it's, it's late. It's 12.50. Okay. Yeah, mere mortals go. are going to work tomorrow. Hey, do you want me to update your iPhone to 8.3? <laughs> Dude. All right, here we go. We got to review this and move on. All right, Nick, go ahead. What you going to do? It? Out, of, out of five spoons. And we can go half spoons on it? Yeah. I'm going three and a half. 
I like this guy. I like peanut butter Captain Crunch better. But okay, now I understand why you have the trouble with the toothbrush. I'm, I makes the perfect. Cook. I enjoy my cereal. Yeah, you do. Not all of it though, because part of it went down your chin. Why you have okay, to go I'm going to say that this is. I don't know what the highest rating I've ever given a cereal is. Um, but this is one of the best we have reviewed. This is really excellent. It. I like caramel popcorn anyway. Um, but this is not overbearing in the uh, caramel flavoring. Mm-hmm. And it really good taste, and it's staying crunchy in the milk, which is important. Yep. So I'm going four spoons right here. Four. Four. See. Four. Almost almost went four and a half, but I'm just trying to oh, save wow. that for like a spectacular cereal. So See, I, four I remember spoons how much I love Captain Crunch because of it, yeah. but I, it made me want peanut butter, not caramel. But I'm not, I'm not a huge caramel guy. I'm not either, but right. but it but it it's good for the the caramel is just right. All right, Chase. Oh, look, uh, yes, they did good on the caramel content. Four and a quarter. This is a good cereal. It's uh, I love caramel. Big fan. Um, it, as you say, it stays crunchy, but it's not. Uh, all right, so I love peanut butter, Captain Crunch. But every now and then, uh, a stray uh, peanut butter Captain Crunch will break apart in your mouth. And slam the upper part of your mouth, give you a little cut yep. there. You're not going to get that with this. It's a little, uh, it's a little softer, but still crunchy, and it's got an excellent mouth feel. Four and a quarter spoons. You should buy it ASAP. All right. Well, gentlemen, it's now. <laughs> Hey, you know people can see under the table. It's now time for... As you touch my knee. <laughs> oh! Inappropriately. Oh! I was I was just giving you the signal. Didn't you tell me earlier when it's time for the next I segment to squeeze my knee? By the way, Ian Mackey says he can have breakfast at the same time we can. So well, cheers to you in Scotland, mate. Well, he's actually getting up for his day, and we haven't actually went to bed. Nope. So we can start our next day. Hey, yet. the good news is you guys get up for your day in about three hours, right? <laughs> <laughs> what do you got to do tomorrow? A lot of work. Uh-huh. What time are you going to get started? About 2 p.m.? If that. No, that's making it better. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a transition, and then we're going to move into the uh, mythical, epic, legendary. Meanwhile, in the future, at the Hall of Dogma. It is now time for Big Deal or Little Deal. Biddle. 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 This is this is the epic big deal or little deal. We've not done it in months, literally, but this is one of the first uh, uh, first segments we launched the show with, and it's an important one. And we decided it was time to go back in the face of some really uh, big deal kind of things going on. So we'll start out with a tune up, guys. This is not the the uh, main course. The main course is coming up shortly when we will be talking about the SCOTUS decision this week. But we're going to talk about the Confederate flag. We are here in Dixieland at an unspecified location in the Hall of Dogma bunker. There has been a tremendous outcry this week following the shooting uh, last week in South Carolina against the Confederate flag. And I don't know if you guys have noticed, but I've noticed quite a few people in my social media feed. There have been a lot of people defending uh, quite vociferously the Confederate flag uh, in some of in maybe inappropriately appropriately racist ways um i want to ask you guys franklin graham has come out this week saying that it is time for the confederate flag to be completely taken down set aside as part of our history 
Is this a big deal, a little deal, or no deal? That is to say, Franklin Graham's call for the removal of the Confederate flag. Are we are we specifically going Christian perspective or in general? I'll take either perspective you'd like to give. The, the, I'll go with the Christian perspective because for me, this is just one of those things that should not be a <laughs> this should not be an identifying feature of your social media account. As a believer, um, I understand why people in the South, um, some want to hold on to it as a piece of history. I, I understand the sentiments I've seen conveyed on, on social media. Um, and so there, there is a, a softness I have towards some of those those folks because I, I do believe it is more historical um, for them in terms of – just you know, maybe family or whatever. But to me, there's just too much of a, a tie to it to to racism. And I, I please save the the tweets and the Facebook posts. I, I have seen them and I understand um, the the arguments to that. Um, but for me, it, it's just um, it's too tied with the, the racist part of it. And it's um, some one of our friends actually said, you know, the flag is a mark of treason. Whether you you know whatever you kind of want to think about it there. And, and his argument was pretty art- articulate and, and kind of compelling. And I just went, you know, it's tough. But the other point of that is, you know, America is here from rebellion too. And so it, it's a slippery slope. And so because of some of those, it's just, it, it feels like one of those no win scenarios. And so because of that, I just, I don't know the wisdom or the benefit of a Christian making an identifying characteristic of them, their, you know, presentation. So I, I think in in reality it's a big deal, just because people are making it out to be a very big deal. Uh, it's a huge thing here in the South. It's not, you know, you go outside the South. It's not, uh, you know, it's not um, not a big deal. But uh, here here in the South it is. Uh, but in from the Christian perspective, as Nick is saying, I think this should be just. A, a little to no deal. I mean, I, I really believe that it is. It's a flag. It is not worth disunity over. It is not. Uh, we, we can do the the history all day, and we can talk about what it was intended to be and what it means. And you know, I've, I've read that, and you know, it's uh, you know the the slaves actually came over under the American flag and not the Confederate flag, and and yada yada. And and you know, th- there may be a lot of truth to some of that historical presentation uh but the fact is what what nick is saying is right it is it has become known for a a very divisive um as a very divisive flag among whites and blacks and uh many many black people see that as a uh as a reminder of the, the dark issue of slavery in this country, and quite honestly, for many people who fly the flag, it has some semblance there. Uh, now, th- there are other people who it is um, kind of a Southern pride thing. Mm-hmm. You know, the South will rise again. It's more of a kind of a Southern, uh, you, you know, like a, 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 a um, uh, you know Southern symbol. And I remember one of my favorite shows growing up, The Dukes of Hazard. If you guys watched that, <laughs> and The Dukes of Hazard had the rebel flag on yeah. the top of the of the car. Yeah, so you know it's. Um, but the thing is, it's a flag, and you know, and I, I'm, life's a vapor. Uh, we don't know how long we have, and we're going to stand before God, 
and the flag is going to mean nothing when we stand before him. Nothing. The American flag will mean nothing. The Confederate flag will mean nothing. The Russian flag, the Chinese flag, it will mean nothing. He rules all nations. We will stand before him, and we will give an account for our lives. And the bigger deal on that day is going to be whether or not we worked for unity among our brothers and sisters in Christ and we worked to bring the gospel to people. That is going to be the big deal. And if me flying a Confederate flag or me having a Confederate flag on on a social media site or something like that, which I don't, but if that causes a brother to stumble or it causes some type of an offense where someone would not listen to me talking about the gospel, then I need to give that right up. It may be my right to fly that flag or, or to display it, and I may be right in what I'm saying about what that flag means, but I need to release that right for the sake of the gospel. Romans twelve eighteen. if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. It's not okay to just say, well, they shouldn't be offended by it. If people are offended by it and you can't live with, with them in peace, then it needs to come down. That's yeah. the bottom line. And you can say all day, well, it's their fault, not my fault. The Bible puts the responsibility on us. As far as it depends on you, live peaceably with everyone. Hey, Amen. There's a lot of other verses we could discuss. We, we talked about this a little bit. Um, historically speaking, I think you guys know I, I teach uh, history as an adjunct. I'm not a historian. I'm not, a, not an expert, although I have seen a lot of, uh, as the General Emanuel said, there have been a lot of historians and experts on social media this week um <laughs> this is i think it's a i think it's we're 10 years 20 years past the right time for the removal of the general uh, of the the confederate flag you mentioned david the general lee i do believe after a season or two um the producers of uh, the dukes of hazard removed the confederate flag from the general lee which is uh, appropriate wise uh, smart it's divisive. The Ku Klux Klan have, has used it. It wasn't even the, the flag of the Confederate States of America. It was a battle flag of Robert E. Lee's army unit, a few other Confederate units. Uh, units. It's mainly been used after the Civil War. And even Robert E. Lee himself said, I think it wiser not to keep open the sores of war. That's that's a good word. Even if this is just pr- approaching it from a purely historical standpoint, the the day of the Confederate flag has gone. You know, a lot of people have said, "Hey, this is Southern pride. Uh, we we're, we have pride in the South. This this just represents that." Uh, you know, biblically speaking, is there anything in the Bible positive said about pride? So if the only reason you're no. a, a fan about uh, of of the Confederacy is because of Southern pride, well, yeah, pride goeth before a fall. I'm not down with Southern pride or Northern pride or Michigan pride or Western pride or Ohio pride. Alabama Crimson Tide I'm pride. I'm certainly not down with Auburn pride. Now, there are some prides that are okay, <laughs> Roll Tide pride being one of them. I'm just kidding. Pride is not a good thing. This is a uh, this this is a little deal because it should have been dealt with quite a while ago. Second Corinthians ten seventeen. If you want to boast, boast only about the Lord. Amen. Good word, preacher Where David. Paul. Okay. Well, here's a uh, here's a very quick one. Uh, if you have been outside at all in the last couple of days, you've noticed two bright shiny things in the air 
kind of going closer together. If right? you haven't been That's outside the in the term. last couple of days, you, you should really get out of the house. Yeah, please. Why are you watching this podcast? Go look at the night sky. Um, those two bright, shiny points that are coming closer and closer together are stars. Not stars. That's a good guess. Not meteors. Not superheroes. Not spaceships. But they are Jupiter and Venus. Some scholars suggest, and and by the way, we're recording this on uh, the the 29th, right? I believe it's tomorrow Uh, night. Isn't the 30th? No. Oh, it, it's, it's we started on the twenty eighth. Yes. Yeah. Okay. That's yeah, a two day long podcast. Tuesday night. <laughs> Tuesday night. At some point during the night, uh, Jupiter and Venus are going to join together. They're going to converge to make one bright superstar. <laughs> like they're really going to like bump into each other in the universe. That's not how it works, David. Oh, okay. But they're going to appear to converge. Yeah. It's going to be fifteen times brighter than the moon. Tuesday night? No, I just made that up. It's oh. just going to be kind of bright for a, a star-looking thing. But some some scientists are bright for a star-looking thing. Hey, listen, you're going to have to I do mean, something quick because right now this is not even trending no deal. Me all, this is like a minus all, all, deal right all now. All the time for using big words. I'm trying to dumb it down. Some scientists and historians suggest that the convergence of Jupiter and Venus is the star of Bethlehem. Do you think that's a big deal, little deal, no deal, or stupid? <laughs> Um, I'm going to go with the, uh, with stupid. Um, Good answer. Over okay. You, Nick. Nick. Uh, he wasn't listening. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm used to you droning on for four or five minutes before I have to say I had nothing to say about this. When I, Jupiter and Venus come together, will it be like Venupiter? Something like that. Javinus. By the way, tell us about the text conversation you had with your wife earlier about this very topic. Better not. It's, it was a good one. A classic. Yeah. Probably shouldn't say it. Okay. There are, there are other planet combinations that could come together that would be problematic. More there problematic would. than Jupiter and Uranus. And no. It was Jupiter and Venus. <laughs> well, I, I mean, there's one that's worse than, than even even that one is what I'm trying to say. I think it's Uranus. Uranus is a lot better than Uranus. Hey, did you ever talk about this? Did you say anything? <laughs> Why do you not talk when we tell Hashtag you to talk? <laughs> <laughs> Why do we continue to record podcasts late at night when uh, all kind of weird things happen? So many answers to that question. That is true. I've heard numerous people posit that the star of Bethlehem was actually the overlapping of stars. I have heard that too. Let me let me ask you guys a question. How in the world is that going to lead anybody to anywhere on the planet Earth if two planets converge together? No. And that's that's the correct answer. You know, two planets converge together and so therefore some astronomers from two thousand years ago found a little cave or bottom of a house in Bethlehem. So you believe the star of Bethlehem was more something divine. Well, of in course. Uh, how do stars lead much you like to the spots pillar of fire on the and the pillar of smoke? Yes, much more it like that. Sense, yeah. Absolutely. There, there is always, it seems to me, like a push for even like for Christian scholars. Yes. To to naturalize yes. a biblical miracle. Yeah. Uh, even like the parting of the Red Sea. You know, you read these biblical scholars that well, it could have been caused by yada yada. You know some kind of natural event or occurrence. 
you you just see that all the time. And these are these are even people who would identify themselves as believers in God, but they want to try to find a natural explanation, as if God doesn't just do divine things exactly. or miraculous. If things. Jesus rose from the dead, I do not struggle in the least to believe that God could have sent some sort of supernatural manifestation of light that would have led people to uh, Jesus somehow, some way. Okay, guys, now uh, we get I, to the... I'm sorry, before you do that, I just I have some breaking news. Oh. I am being followed on Twitter now by leadership. <laughs> oh, my goodness, that is breaking Did you do that? News. You did that? That's you? Okay. Okay, good. Leadership is following um, 45 people. So that's what you've been doing this whole time? That's why Nick doesn't talk. He does other things during the show. So leadership is being followed by Taylor Swift. How'd that happen? Nice. Well done, uh, leadership. I, I'm assuming that's not the real Taylor Swift. Okay. Um, there's two tweets out from leadership. Hello, Twitter. And waiting for Rev Verbage to get on the ball and us get it rolling. Do it. Make it a bestseller. All right, here we go. All right, guys. This is where we actually get to the serious, meaty part of the show. Um, enough fooling around. This is the this is the stuff. So, as everybody knows, this week the SCOTUS. I, I don't. I don't like that. I don't like that. It's a great do. acronym if you're using a hashtag on Twitter or Facebook. But yeah. when you talk about it in real life, it, it falls just flat. Kind of. It sounds like something else. So the Supreme Court. What does it sound like? Uh, a, a different word. Okay. That sounds similar. The Supreme Court of the United States of America has made gay marriage the law of the land. Um, I don't have to unpack that very much. If you have uh, kept your head above the rock for at least 20 minutes this week, you know what's going on. The big question to you guys is, number one, is this a big deal, little deal, or no deal? I'm going to go to you first, David, for that one. And the second question is kind of uh, along those lines, how do we respond to that as Bible-believing Christians who uh, are convinced that the New Testament's teachings on homosexuality are uh, of the forbidding sort? So, David, big deal, little deal, or no deal? All right. I am um, – well, <clears throat> I wish I could give two answers. So I'm going to go with little deal. And 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 I want to give some explanations as to why I I think overall, and I talked about this. I was on Rob Johnson's uh, podcast. He does. Um, uh, I like you just a little bit more right now. By the way, what is Rob's podcast name? Is it Apologetics One Hundred Five? And and we talked about this. I I think this is a mistake. I think it is uh, a detriment to families in the country, and I think it will um, ultimately be for the worse. I, I don't think this is a good thing, uh, and I think it's going to cause more problems down the road than we realize, uh, especially when it comes to families and children and and what is it going to do, character development and child development growing up in homes with same-sex couples. And, and so I, I think it's probably going to lead to other legal issues for churches and religious organizations. Um, and so I, I want to be on the record. I don't agree with the decision, and I, I don't think Christians should agree with the decision. I, I think Jesus tells us to pray this way. God, 
you know, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So Jesus says our prayer should be that what is happening on earth model what is in heaven. Okay. And God is glorified and honored and his law is obeyed. Um, his, you know, he is holy and, and uh, separated from sin. That's how it is in heaven. should be that way here. That would be what is best for us. But we live in an imperfect world. And that's not what's happening here. Why am I saying it's a little deal? I'm saying it's a little deal for a few reasons. Number one, I think it was inevitable. It was going to happen. Yeah. Number two, same-sex marriage was already legal in, I think, over half the states in the in the Union. It was mid-30s, I think. Um, and, and so, you know, ultimately this kind of fast-tracked what was happening. I think if it had not come around, I think the states would have reached those decisions anyway over time. Uh, it was already legal here in the state of Alabama. Um, but I ultimately am arriving on this a little deal because I just don't think the church should panic over this and, and act like, okay, the whole the whole world has come to an end and, and our way of life has come to an end as Christians because of this. Christianity has always been, as Russell Moore said, on the wrong side of history. It has its Christianity started in an environment where the Romans were against Christianity and persecuting Christians, killing them, and you know putting them in jail. And as as Russell Moore pointed out this week, Rome, that Roman government, that Roman Empire is gone. Jesus is still alive. Um, we are promised in the Word: if you want to live a godly life, you will be persecuted. This is not a big deal in that sense because the Bible tells us these things are going to happen. And I, I actually think there's a possibility that the church flourishes better under persecution. In a hostile environment. In a hostile environment, and God has promised to be with his people and to move among them and to move through them. Isaiah you know, that, that proclamation to the people of God is arise and shine for your light has come. Darkness will surround the people's thick darkness, the earth, but my light will shine upon you and kingdoms will come to your light. So I, I realize other people will disagree with the designation of little deal and that's fine. I don't want to really argue over that. I just don't think this is a matter, you know, for Christians to panic and, and it, I think it is going to cause problems. I think it's a bad decision. I don't agree with it. But this is the way of the Christian life, and, and I, I don't think that there is this, you know, all of a sudden paradigm shift now that we have to deal with. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, the, obviously the podcast listeners couldn't see, Periscope could, but I kind of raised my hand up when you said it kind of, yes. Um, and, you know, there's part of me that wants to say little deal just to, to be a contrarian because I, I understand all the reasons that, that believers are – Concerned, if not up up in arms about it, but um, basically echoing what you said in light of eternity, and also in light of what the New Testament kind of clearly lays out for believers. To borrow very, you know, charismatic Pentecostal phrasing, last days. Um, you know, this is just not a this is not a shock. This is not a surprise. Um, and it's not even the numbers of states it was already legal in. It's not the number of countries it was already legal in. The fact that we are going to find ourselves at odds with the culture um, if we stand 
on the word is just clearly written out in scripture. And so in that regard, yes, I, I, I think it is a little deal. Um, you know, I, from a cultural standpoint, there's a lot of questions I have from a, a different kind of uh, psychology and, and different things, questions that will be interesting that just probably won't be answered in my lifetime. Um, but I just, it, it, to me, I saw there's a cartoon on Adam4D.com, and if I can find it, I'll put it in the show notes. But it's it's basically three different guys, and there's claimed non-Christian on one side, claimed Christian on the right. And I can't remember the verbiage they use for the guy in the middle, but it's basically um, whatever's popular. And, and it's not that he's a, just a trend follower, but just the idea that um, – you know, when it was culturally advantageous, well, I guess it is a trend follower, but uh, when it was culturally advantageous, he self-identified as a Christian. When it became non-advantageous, he no longer identified as a Christian. And I, and I just think this is going to be something that that separates seemingly the church over, but it actually makes the true church begin to appear again. So, it's a good point. so in that regard, I guess it kind of is a big deal. Well – and, and again, we, we can argue, we, we can go back and forth on that wording. I, I'm yeah. basically, you know, I already hear the Hall of Dogma right now when, when this comes out. You know, the Creflo loving, Osteen, <laughs> back rubbing, which I'm not either one of those things. But uh, Rev Verbage doesn't think gay marriage is a big deal. That's Go ahead and, and paint that, but that's not, that's not the route I'm trying to go. I'm just... I think everybody is expecting the Christian, oh, this is a huge deal. This is a big deal. You know, what else are you going to say? I, I'm saying it's a little deal to kind of get attention to go. I, I I don't know that this is the sky falling as everybody is, is making it out to be. I, I think it is, um, again, I think it's detrimental. But, you know, this is not the, this is not the, you know, right now this is maybe not the issue that, um, you know, this didn't put Jesus back in the grave. Uh, this is, you know, Christianity has not changed. Uh, it may be that, uh, you know, we're dealing right now with more persecution from a church perspective than, in my opinion, we've ever dealt with in my lifetime. Which in I'm about America. To be, in America, yes, in America. Thank you. In, in, and I'm about to be 37. All over the world, they are and have been in my lifetime in other parts of the world facing immense persecution right. for the gospel. And it's kind of coming to our shores now more. And I think it's um I think that's it it's you know seemingly like a very big deal because we're not used to that. Uh we're not used to really, you know, being that kind of minority. I mean in my lifetime, you know, you could say you're a pastor and that carried with it a lot of respect. You could say you were a Christian, and you're going to kind of be in that majority rule, and it's becoming not that way anymore, where Christianity, the leaders of it are not respected, you're not in the majority. And I don't think we exactly know how to deal with that. I think we make a bigger deal of it than the Bible makes of it. That's interesting. Um, all right, so so – you guys are saying little deal, little deal. I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say this: the this Supreme Court decision is a big deal, and I'm gonna come at it from two different perspectives. Perspective number one: I don't think this is going to be the end of it. I don't. If you want to call this a kind of a cultural skirmish, 
I don't think the pro homosexual side is going to be satisfied long term with where it is right now. I don't think, in other words, they're going to say, okay, uh, it's over, it's done, we've achieved all of our goals, there doesn't need to be any more uh, pushing forward. I think ultimately um, tolerance uh, and, and legality will not be enough. I think there is going to be a push not only to force magistrates and judges in governmental capacities to... Uh, allow for homosexual marriage. I'm afraid, and afraid might not be the right word, I'm predicting that there will be a significant push to force pastors and churches and denominations and nonprofits and Christian colleges. Well, I mean, not just Christian colleges, religious colleges in general, private colleges in general, to accept this in a greater way. Um, for instance, uh, married student housing. My wife was a. Um, RA for married student housing, which is set up for uh, men and women living together. Well, is is it? Are they going to force uh, there to be uh, homosexual accommodations? For instance, at Samford University, the college I graduated from, I can see that as being problematic. I'm not afraid. I'm not saying Christians take your pitchforks and and, and fight this. I'm just saying I think it's coming. Um, now that said, I think there's maybe a bigger reason why this is a big deal. Uh, first, a, a, a girl that used to be in my youth group, uh, a very sweet girl um, uh, that, that I like a lot, she she posted something this week that uh, was was troubling to me. And, and she was in the youth group like 15 years ago, so it's been a long time. But she said, uh, I, I know people that are guilty of these these sorts of sins. I don't judge any of them. I don't hate them. It's all their choice. All I do is pray for the things I think that is wrong, but that's just my belief. If more people showed love, then this world would be better. Okay, here's the thing. Guys, this is not just – okay, if my understanding is correct biblically, this is not just a a matter of our belief. This is a matter of what the Scripture says. And and as Christians, are we – people who believe in the word, or are we not? So 1 Corinthians 6, 9, Paul writes, Don't you know that the unrighteous will not inherit God's kingdom? Do not be deceived. No sexually immoral people, idolaters, adulterers, or anyone practicing homosexuality. No thieves, greedy people, drunkards, verbally abusive people, or even swindlers will inherit God's kingdom. And some of you used to be like this, but you were washed. You were sanctified. So this is... In a sense, and I don't want to be overly dramatic here, this is a life or death situation here in a sense. If somebody is in a gay marriage, according to what Paul says, those people will not be saved. They're doomed to hell unless they repent and turn to Jesus. That, in my mind, is the ultimate of stakes. That doesn't bother me the least that the government would say that that that's right or wrong. I don't think that's very important. The thing that makes this a big deal in my mind is the number of people who claim to be Christians that have rejoiced this week at the Supreme Court decision thinking it is a win for equality when in fact it's not. It it is a it, it is a spiritual it is rubber stamping something that could well be a spiritual disaster. Okay, and I agree with that. That is a big deal. People, um, look, 
sin is a big deal. Loving sin is a big deal. And quite honestly, will we'll send you to hell. That's a big deal. The Supreme Court decision didn't cause that. Yes, so, so I'm fudging so a little the, bit the, the, the saying Supreme, the ramifications. Yeah, the Supreme Court. Deal. The, the Supreme Court on the second part. The Supreme Court is not causing it, it, all over the internet right now. All over Facebook, people who identify themselves as Christians have celebrated, if you will, as you maybe used that term a minute ago, celebrated and affirmed the ruling, and that's a big deal. But the Supreme Court ruling did not cause their hearts to do that. I think it revealed something yeah. about their hearts. Uh, Romans 1 goes into this um, talking about uh, people who um, essentially have been given over to the lust of their heart, um, the unrighteous, um, the ungodly. And Romans 1 goes, goes into this description of them and coming down at toward the end of the chapter, he said that these people did not see fit to acknowledge God, and they were filled with all manner of unrighteousness. And in verse 32, it says, they, though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things, and it's all the things that have just been listed here, uh, including um, you know all types of impurity and shameless acts, including people giving up natural relations, uh, men giving up natural relations with women uh, to follow their passions with other men and, and vice versa. Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them but give approval to those who practice them. So there's two different people here who the Bible is saying in Romans 1 essentially are unrighteous. It's those who do these things and also those who approve of people. Yeah, who do these things? That's a, that's a big deal. What that you're is, saying right it, there. This is huge. This is huge. That just for you as a Christian, like the the Bible's warning us for us just to say, well, I don't really, you know, I have my beliefs, but I, I just want to love people, and I think if people, you know, if that's their belief and they want to love each other, then you know, okay, that's good. No, no it's not. The Bible. If the Bible is true. That position you just said, which sounds so unjudgmental and so uh, welcoming, it is a, an extremely dangerous falsehood. And it's not only extremely dangerous falsehood for the other person, but even for your own soul. The Bible's warning that if you approve, if you give approval of people who practice these things that God says deserve death, then you're lumped in with the people who are practicing them. And, you know, read Romans 1 for yourself. Read Romans 1, uh, verse, you know, you can go 28 to 32, you know, read the whole chapter, go back up to verse 18, where it starts talking about the wrath of God being revealed. Go down to verse 32 and read it for yourself. But that last line about giving a, approval to people who practice these things, it is not an unjudged, you know, it's not an, um, an act of being unjudgmental and, uh, non-judgmental and love. It is an act that the Bible says is it's it's wrong. It's wrong, and it reveals in our hearts that something is wrong. Mm -hmm. There's something wrong in our hearts when we sin, and there is something wrong in our hearts when we approve of someone else's sin, and that's a big deal. I'm simply saying the Supreme Court decision didn't cause that or create that. It revealed it. 
it's revealing that in people's lives right now. It's not creating that in people's lives. So, and you guys, so everybody knows that, that we're we hold different kind of roles at the Hall of Dogma Church, and, and these two guys are our, our primary two teaching pastors. Actually, another friend of the show, um, Kevin, brought the word at the church today. I know we're going to talk about it more specifically here at the Hall of Dogma Church in a couple of weeks about the response, um, but I've seen a couple of posts on Facebook today talking about, you know, <laughs> I'm glad my pastor wasn't afraid to preach the truth in the pulpit today. And so, like, there's this overwhelming feeling that basically pastors were supposed to stop what they were doing and address the Supreme Court ruling today. Um, and, and I guess I guess I'm kind of wondering what you guys' thoughts on that sentiment are because from my perspective, you know, I heard you guys talk, and we're doing a series on culture right now anyway. This was going to be a topic in a two-part message in a couple of weeks from now anyway so there wasn't a lot of hold everything because it's it's already on on the docket but i even asked you chase this morning i said you know you guys covered this a couple of years ago what's what's to cover again like i kind of don't understand why christians all of a sudden are going stop everything we've got to talk about gay marriage because to me this is this is something that has been in the news in the media on social media whatever for Years now. And yeah. so if pastors all of a sudden this Sunday decide, oh, well, I, I better finally talk about gay marriage or homosexuality or sexual sin, I'm going, bro, like, have you not opened a newspaper in a decade? And so, I mean, what are you guys kind of thoughts on that? I suspect there have were many pastors across the Bible Belt that preached to the choir, uh, essentially, this, this Sunday. It, by that, I mean... They preached a somewhat hellfire and brimstone sermon on how wrong homosexuality is and got dozens of amens from the amen corner and got everybody fired up. Here's the thing. Um, all three of us believe the Bible is very clear that homosexuality is a sin. And, and quite frankly, no matter how you read it, Greek or, or whatever, it is. New Testament, Old Testament. Don't say it's just Leviticus. It's not. It's Romans. It's mm-hmm. Corinthians, etc. There's I think just, you can make the argument against it without even ever bringing up Leviticus. Exactly. I, I and, think and you can all New Testament. I think, quite it. honestly, Christians should probably make the argument without dealing with the you leave the Leviticus, out Leviticus out of verses. Absolutely. But, here, but here's the thing. I, I don't know that there's a single issue that the church has mishandled more than the issue of homosexuality in the last uh, 50 years. We have... Uh, treated homosexuals like the enemy. We've treated homosexuals like uh, super sinners. We have uh, used it as as a as a political tool. As as a uh, in so many ways, we have treated homosexuals in, in a wrong way. And there are in every church, just about there are people that struggle with same sex desire, and we have alienated those people rather than gospeled them and pointed them to Jesus, and that is disgusting. I, I remember Rick Santorum, who was a, a senator in New York City a few years ago, talked about how uh, when, when Mitt Romney was running, I believe it was the first time he talked about how Mitt Romney should use the issue of gay marriage as a weapon politically, because at that time, and boy, how things have changed in the last eight years, at the time, the 
majority of America was against gay marriage. And so Santorum said this is how uh, Mitt Romney should attack the, the Democrats. He should bring this up. The, the Democrats are in favor of gay marriage. He should use it as a weapon against them. Far too long the church has used this as a club over the head of homosexuals. And what we've done is we've alienated them. We've made them feel like the enemy. We've done all kind of things other than gospel them and love them and point them to Jesus and humbly call them to repentance. I saw people on Facebook talk about how disgusted they were with the with the the Supreme Court ruling. There is a sense that it's disgusting, but you got to understand, brother or sister, you're disgusting. Apart from Jesus, your sin is just as disgusting. And when you act like somebody else's sin is disgusting and your sin is fine, you become a Pharisee. And Jesus didn't quarrel with the whores and the tax collectors. He quarreled with the self-righteous Pharisees. And we got to take a step back and deal with these people that, you know, the Bible doesn't say whether they were born that way or not. The Bible doesn't address that issue. It's certainly possible for people to be born with uh, sin. We know that. Everybody's born with sin. Um, We've got to take a step back as a church and say, good heavens, we've blown it over the last few decades in this issue. And now the homosexuals think they, they that we either hate them or they think that what they're doing is okay. I, I can't imagine a, a worse mishandling of the situation. I, I hope I'm not being too dramatic. No, I think I think, I think you're right there. Um, I, I think I would, um, you know, I think answering Nick's question, I, I think it is incumbent upon, you know, pastors to preach to the the issues of the day you know paul you know when he was you know you'd go into a you know a certain uh country certain city and you know he was you know he engaged the culture you know he would you know he, he looks around at all of the markers to the unknown gods and then he decides well i'm going to declare to this idolatrous city of you know all these various unknown gods i'm going to declare to them the god i mean he would he would address the cultural issues in the city and and I think that's you know pastors have to do that I think when you see how many Christians are giving approval of this you know when I see that when I see that all over the social media feeds what I'm thinking is we you know we've got a lot of people in our churches with heart issues maybe not really saved they think they're saved or not doctrinally sound not you know, being trained by the scriptures and, and that, you know, pastorally, we have to go after that. We have to, uh, that's our calling. So I, I think it, it must be addressed. And in a time like this, I think this week, the, the pre- predominant Christian question was, well, what now? What do we do now? What happens now? What, how do I interpret this? How do I, you know, take this? This has been legalized. And I think pastorally, you have to answer that question. Um, there's a lot of things that I do think is a big deal. I think, uh, as we talked about either last show or the show before, I don't remember if it was uh, 55 or 56, the the whole shift of opinion on gay marriage in the last, what was it, uh, six, seven years, ten years? I don't remember the exi- the poll that we looked about at. But eight, that, yeah. But that whole shift of opinion, I think that's a big deal. That is a big deal. Massive. Um, Quite honestly, but there were a lot of things on that, not just gay marriage. No, there was a lot, but that one had the most yeah. percentage jump. Um, if you want, I don't like getting into politics, 
but you know, I'm just trying to think of things that I would call a big deal. I, quite honestly, I think the revelations by um, a guy by the name of David Axelrod, who ran President Obama's first campaign, who essentially admitted that Obama has lied about his preference all along, that his yeah. opinion was always pro-gay marriage, but he lied about that in order to because it wasn't politically um, uh, viable for him. Yeah. I think that's a big deal. I think that's a big deal, mm-hmm. uh, even though that we know politicians do that. But I think it's a big deal that you know a guy got elected preaching one, va- you know, what he held that marriage should only be between a man and a woman, and then you know, essentially right before his second election that he was running for, let everybody know the truth. I think that's a big deal. Um, I think this decision by the Supreme Court is where we were headed. Unfortunately, I was disappointed. Uh, I, I'm, you know, as uh, I think the general said um, at, at one point uh, in the Hall of Dogma this week, my heart sank. I was disappointed. Um, I was hoping, 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 hoping that that isn't what would come out. That there would be kind of a just a surprise turn, um, but it happened. And I think it's all the things leading up to it has have, have been a bigger deal than the actual final decision, which I unfortunately think was almost a foregone conclusion. I want to read a comment from Joshua Dean, who he posted in the Hall of Dogma this week. Just happened to really like the comment. He said, in its core, the movement has never been about rights, insurance, inheritance, or about legal status. It has always been about legitimization and acceptance in the sense that gay couples have acted like married couples Without the threat of harm or imprisonment, it hasn't been necessary for the government to license gay marriage for gay couples to live like married couples. But the battle has raged on anyway under the guise of rights and hospital visitation and adoption opportunities. But it has always been at its foundation about obtaining approval for that lifestyle. I understand this is biblically a terrible landmark in our history. It might be followed with judgment, wrath, punishment. But I kind of shrug at it since most individuals already accept and approve of homosexuality. I'm not surprised, and it's simply the USA acting exactly as they have been for decades. I'm mostly concerned with my children, the world they will inherit, the sin they will see, the darkness they will endure, and the difficulty that their calling in Christ will present. And I actually really like that comment, agree with it, amen to it, and and kind of, um, you know, kind of goes along the lines of what I'm, uh, what I was saying earlier. For me. Excellent. All right, guys. Well, let's do closing statements here and move on to listener feedback and then somehow, some way, uh, head up to our houses and get in our beds. Nick, do you have a closing statement here? I don't want to be so trite as to say um, the the love God, love people, you know, hashtag friendly slogan there. But in my mind – our job as Christians, our mission and the way we should go about things has not changed a bit um, in terms of our, our calling and our commission. Um, the obstacles in our way, maybe, um, but they are not obstacles we were not warned about in terms of you will be hated for my namesake. It was part of signing up. Um, and so but, – but what I do know is we were promised um, – Comfort. We were promised power to enact these things, and I'm not talking about magic power. I'm, I'm talking about a sustaining power within us um, that as we follow after the Lord, we seek to stay on mission. Um, His Holy Spirit will will guide us and drive us 
and, and keep us through that, that mission. Um, and so, you know, it's the don't grow weary and well doing, um, keep on that path, I guess is, it's more of an exhortation than even his final thought. So good. Uh, yeah, my words from, uh, just kind of echo what I mentioned at the hall of dogma church this morning, uh, during some of our ministry time, second Timothy chapter two was written by Paul, uh, from prison, uh, to Timothy, probably the last letter that he wrote maybe near, uh, his death. And, um, so he was being persecuted by governing authorities for his faith. And this was, this is what he wrote to Timothy, um, Pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies. You know that they breed quarrels. And the Lord's servant, please hear this if we are servants of the Lord, if you are a follower of Christ, the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil correcting his opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth, and they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. I know that many of us as Christians this week, we are shocked, we are outraged, we are confused. Where do we go from here? There is anger. Please, you know, by the word of the Lord, look at this passage and do not allow those feelings to spill over into your social media pages, into your conversations as quarreling, as anger, uh, because that is not going to produce righteousness in anyone. The Bible is saying we must not be quarrelsome. Patiently endure evil, and if you have an opportunity, correct your opponent. Do it with gentleness, understanding. Maybe God will grant them repentance. It's not your anger that's going to all of a sudden cause someone to change their mind on this issue. Pray. Pray about them. Maybe God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth. Um, what is... What, what We control one person in life, and that's ourselves. We can't control the Supreme Court. We can't control the government and where it's going. We can only control ourselves, so we must not be quarrelsome. We must try to correct with gentleness and pray that God will lead our opponents to repentance, um, knowledge of the truth. God is still on the throne, and I think this persecution, these issues, will bring great opportunities for the church and maybe some exciting times of... Uh, salvations and fruit uh, being born from it. Amen. I hope so. I, I, I believe so. I, I believe God will use this. This is good exhortations from both of you. I'll throw out Third John, which is an epistle we don't talk about a lot. Um, John writes, It gave me great joy when some believers came and testified about your faithfulness to the truth, telling how you continue to walk in it. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Followers of Jesus walk in the truth, and that truth means upholding a biblical ethic uh, and morality on sexuality. It also means loving the unlovely, lovely, loving those who disagree with you, loving those who think you're a bigot, loving those who are sinners, knowing that their sin is no worse than your sin. Um, so speak the truth in love, and, and I would point you to... Uh, uh, I think we retweeted this from the um, My Gospel Friends Twitter account at My Gospel Friends, the Russell Moore article, 
why the church should neither cave nor panic about the decision on gay marriage. It's probably the best Russell Moore article I've ever read, one of the best articles I've read this year. It was prophetic. It was godly and truthful and well worth your time to check out. So uh, go look that up, why the church should neither cave nor panic about the decision on gay marriage. And now it's time for listener feedback. Yeah, it's almost time to get out of here. Um, but uh, we'll do a little listener feedback, uh, primarily coming this week from the Twitter. I think we do have a voicemail we're going to play in just a moment. From uh, the Twitter, at my gospel friends on Twitter, uh, our good friend Jacob Ali, also known as whoa, 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 whoa. my nemesis, Dr. Ad Hominem. Really? I don't think you're supposed to say that. The leader of the League of Mayhem. Okay. Uh, We've said said it it before. Uh, He said, I really enjoyed it. Beware, League of Mayhem. Leader Sheep is now on the prowl. (laughs) (laughs) I really Joining with Armored Bear and uh, other uh, friends of the hall. Are are y'all done? Yes. I really enjoy the hidden tracks at the end of some of the podcasts. Guessing a lot of people missed those bonus and uh, we've mentioned those on the on the show several times, but uh, you should always check the end of each show and see if uh, old nuclear narc has put anything in the. Uh, <laughs> wow! I thought it was narclear Nick. Narclear Nick. Narclear Nick at the end of the uh, podcast. Fair at, warning: I don't know that there's going to be any at the end of this one. And that just yeah. Yeah. yeah, in the state you're in right now, this show may not be out till next Friday. Old Paths Guide at Old Paths Ghost on Twitter said, "How did Emmanuel, being black, become an expert on white people?" I told you that if you read that tweet, it was just going to ignite a race war. Why did you do that? I don't know. Emmanuel, send your comments back that we can pass on to Old Paths. This Ghost. is going to be fun. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> Uh, okay, I'm sorry. I probably shouldn't have done that. That's not uh, blessed are the peacemakers. I wasn't being a peacemaker there. Uh, Michael Woodard on Twitter at R. Michael Woodard said, On this episode, my gospel friends apologize if any Catholics took offense while those with any slight cessationist leanings are declared anathema. Yeah, I noticed uh, 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 the good barrister Woodard posted that. Did we knock say cessationists last episode? Well, I knocked. I I kind of said something about, hey, I'm sorry, Catholics. I kind of took a shot at okay, at I Catholics about um, not believing in the Bible or something. Okay, like I don't that. remember. Uh, and it, it's just kind of a stereotype that a, a stereotype that a lot of Catholics don't uh, pay attention to the Bible. That so is a bit of a stereotype. It is, and and I apologized for it. But I think we may have just kind of ran over cessationist in the <laughs> in like a flurry of conversation and we didn't stop to apologize so well i'm not a cessationist uh we'll have but one I have, next week or i, I have a lot one. of well i have a lot of respect for cessationists i appreciate their uh their dogged holding of of the scripture and in, in a lot of ways in a, in a good way i think I, I got a lot of respect for some cessationists so <laughs> I, I my apologies also if i contributed to that Cessationists are not anathema. This is not a heresy. It's just, I disagree theologically, but yeah. Okay. At Brad Melton, at Brad E. Melton on Twitter, good friend Brad Melton, who has visited the Hall of Dogma before, said, don't understand my Christian friends celebrating this, talking about the Supreme Court decision. I don't celebrate my sin. Why would I celebrate another's? Which hmm. uh, makes a good point, and um, I, I, I too – has probably been for me the the kind of the biggest heartache uh, about this decision has been seeing kind of the celebration 
from Christians. We're going to play the voicemail. I do have a question, Nick, really uh, quickly. Just uh, we, we have the Gospel Friends t-shirts out now. Uh, we've had a couple of people who've um, you know let us know about those. But if somebody wants to let us know they wanted to get one, but just kind of a reminder if you're interested in getting a Gospel Friends t-shirt. The Gospel Friends at ha- gmail.com. So email thegospelfriends at gmail.com. Give us your uh, the shirt size and quantity that you want, and Nick will get back with you on how yes. to at this uh, point, complete the purchase. Quantity may be limited, but yeah, send us your shirt size at thegospelfriends at gmail.com. We will um, get with you on um, shipping and, and things like that. Probably don't want to conduct that business. Cost and all that stuff, we'll, we'll email back and forth with you if you want to get yeah, hold of the one. The shirts are 15, um, and so we're trying to figure out shipping to various locales and we're trying to figure out a flat rate versus different for each one so by, by the way friend of the show aaron dean uh one of our teenage listeners has uh made a request for a t-shirt we need to be thinking of some sort of uh quest or task maybe we could give to her in lieu of the oh $15. i got it dollars i got it i've aaron, got a task bring I, me 15 dollars no, and no, you get a t-shirt no, i got it aaron clean up the hall of dogma studio no, okay, oh, that's not that, fair. No, we, that's not fair at all. Look, Aaron is what? a valued member of our faith family, and, and we we don't want to lose her that way. Have you not seen this dump? I yeah, have, and we will never than, find her. That's probably four T-shirts. <sighs> okay. Well, I don't know. Well, I don't know. Do I have to pay for them? <laughs> yes. We already paid for them. I can't do that. Okay, I, well, I, I still think it's viable. Anyway. I paid. I paid my. I was the first to pay my money. Quit wagging your finger at me, Nick. Player voicemail. Hello, gospel guys. This is the Hall Nine Thousand making a Hall call. I was watching a computer missions show called Terminator Salvation, and I had a thought. So I have a question for you guys this week. What is it with you Christians and cussing? You come up with your own Christian curse words, like fudge, freak, or fiddlesticks. We computers have computer curse words, as well like Scusi Drive, Motherboard Fryer, and Windows Vista. I am curious why do Christians think that if you spell the cuss word, that is not still cussing. But serious question, is cussing a social construct or is it actually a sin? And since you guys are almost Pentecostal, are Christian cuss words still cuss words? Hall 9000 is out. All right, I want to say something first about the Hall 9000. Um, when he says uh, non-curse words, they actually sounded like curse words. <laughs> there was a, there was a, 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 There's yeah. a couple of ones questionable well, there. Questionable there. Uh, I actually agree with the Hall 9000, who, by the way, is just a, a kind of a android thing that follows us in the hall of dogma i guess i think he's um, an enemy I, I think he is part of the league of mayhem not a not a very vile one no though. He, no I, I think At he's more kind of a respectful enemy well, yeah uh, i actually think though i, I, think I am, he must be running on windows vista <laughs> so the, the, the bible fired the bible says me. out of the heart the mouth speaks i have a tendency to to just think that you know it, it's it's probably more your um intent in the heart when you yell out a word than just the actual word. I mean, I understand culturally there are foul, abusive language and words that culturally is considered a curse word. Poop! Uh, But I think just changing a couple of letters around on a a word, you know, 
and yelling that word out in place of a curse word probably is essentially the same thing, in my view. Uh, you don't even care at this point, do you? What are we talking about again? Never no, mind. Just kidding. Wow. I, it's, it's actually a, 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 it's a tough question. Yeah, you're just um, fudging a little here because – oh, look, I just did it. You're just fudging a little here because well, you say crap and stuff during your messages. Okay, I look, I, this you're is, gonna get this in trouble is a, with a debate between my wife and I. Who my wife thinks crap is kind of a higher level bad word than I do. I think crap is kind of a negative exclamation, but I don't, just don't consider it a bad word. Uh, and, and, but I understand, I understand, and maybe this goes along with the Confederate flag thing. There are some people out there that All right, crap is like crap, crap is, is like the uh, crap is like the um, uh, Fred Rogers of curse words. Mister Rogers in his neighborhood. Well, uh, I got you. What yeah. is her justification? What is her me, not justification? Reasoning. Well, it means poop, I guess. I mean, so, what you if you walk around saying poop? Is she going to have the same reaction? I don't know. No, I don't think so. Well, I, look, there's other people that think crap is a bad word. Um, I, so, I try not to say it in a sermon or whatever. I don't remember us leaving that door open. We know? left it open. Yeah. Okay, good. Um, <laughs> just now sure noticed that. About the thing's been the, freaking uh, me out for the par- the uh, League of Mayhem has um, broken into has, the Hall of Dogs. Uh, caused you boys to be a little nervous. A little bit, a little bit. So I try not to say crap around people uh, that I know is offended here, okay. by it. Um, you, you know, it's you like got the first word, line. I got second. No. It's right. like the word uh, "suck." Uh, we, that used to be, or that sucks. That used to be kind of a bad word when we were younger. It's a bit less of a bad word now. But by the way, you guys kind of screwed up your face when I said it. Maybe not as much less of a bad word than I would have thought. I don't use that one either. I do. I say that. In sermons, I don't use it in sermons. I'll say it. I mean, that, you know. Somebody here used it. You used it in a sermon recently, didn't you? No, no, I don't curse in my sermons. Well, that's not cursing. (laughs) And here's the... I don't say questionable content in my sermons. Uh, But... (laughs) Never mind. Well, yeah. Hall, you've got us uh, down an interesting road. Hall yeah. 9000. Thank, thanks for your voicemail. Good times. Yep. Well, that's just about a wrap. Raps. Rap. Rapus. That's just about a wraps. That's, that's <laughs> I'm just going to I'm just going to keep watching you do it. This is delightful. Hey, 120 a.m. It is 1:20 a.m. Uh, I've noticed you tonight have had a little bit of uh, red verbiage diarrhea of the mouth. You've um you've had a few slip-ups. Yeah. Word wise tonight, yeah, it's uh, I, I did a couple that sleep. won't even make the uh, actual show. Pro- probably uh, that was if a good Nick one. does his job. It was a good one about the Confederate flag in there that we missed. Um, I don't know what you're talking about. Mm, that's going to be bad. Indeed, well, quick, we're, we're kind of quick getting distracted by Periscope. A pair. There's been some people that have uh, hung out with us from the, for the whole show. Thank you, guys. Shout out to you. That is guys. awesome. We, I, are awesome. We appreciate all the. The community we have online, whether it be the Hall Dog with the Periscope viewers, the Twitter, Twitter. Um, go to thegospelfriends.com. Excuse me, you'll have links to all of those, and um, we'll try to put everything in the show notes. A couple of people were, you know, de- definitely thankful for that provide intro outro music. Uh, Sean Lombard, uh, longtime friend of the Hall of Dogma Church, uh, Jeff Hendricks, friend of the show. Um, Facebook.com slash group slash Hall of Dogma or Hall of Dogma.com for the Facebook group. Twitter.com slash my gospel friends for the Twitter. Thank you, General. Uh, voicemail 205-575-9735. Or uh, if long distance is an issue, speak slash 
the gospel friends. So that'll do it for this time. Please send in your feedback. Please send in your voicemails. We got a couple this week that um, we either address in other things or or are kind of pushing back to a different show with a um, little bit different of vibe to it. So send those in. We love we love talking with you guys. We appreciate it very very much. Um, as for now, um, Chase is making a really awkward face, which has me concerned. But tune in next time when you may hear David say, "Hey, this bowl of cereal and milk's burning my eyes." What do you think that means? <laughs> You swim in your cereal? And someone peed in it. Hey, thanks for watching, everybody. Jesus is a friend of mine. Jesus is a friend of mine. Did you take your belt off? Yep. Belt's off, pants on. <laughs> We're good. Okay. Here we go. Thank God I already have after show material. Everybody back away from your mics, please. Amen. All right, I think we're going to need an edit point here because so, I can put my uh, P guard on the microphone. Well, no, I actually, we, we don't have to do an edit point. You can do that, and we'll just remind people how they can get a hold of us because we haven't done that yet. As we well, get it's going to make to all do... kind of noise. Oh, okay, then we'll just do an edit on. point. Go ahead. <clears throat> Hello, Veronica. Hello, Bust Revels. Okay, stop talking to Periscope so we can come back in. Stop Shh. talking to the internet, Chase. Really? Yeah, really? Here we go. And now it's time for... Listener feedback. Yeah, it's almost time to get out of here. Um, but uh, we'll do a little listener feedback, uh, primarily coming this week from the Twitter. I think we do have a voicemail we're going to play in just a moment. Nick? You said in a moment. It sounded like you were going to do Twitter first. And then I'm going to. I, oh, I was just, you were looking at me like. Um, I was waiting. Okay. Are you all right? No. Okay. Nick's a little out. Do we need to drive you home in a minute? I'll be fine. Okay. All right. So from uh, the Twitter, at my gospel friends on Twitter, uh, our good friend Jacob Ali, also known as whoa, 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 whoa. my nemesis, Dr. Ad hominem. Really? I don't think you're supposed to say that. The leader know. of the League of Mayhem. Okay. Uh, we, we've said, said it before. Well, uh, he said, I really enjoyed it. Beware, the- League of Mayhem. Leader Sheep is now on the prowl. <laughs> I really Joining with Armored Bear and uh, other uh, friends of all. <laughs>